Well, hello. Um, as as uh, Amanda mentioned, I'm Pastor Ben. I am uh, the the spawn of Stephen Mamie Ogle. <laughs> no, Pastor Stephen Mamie are enjoying. Um, I'm so happy for them. They're enjoying a, a little bit of uh, some time off. They're out visiting uh, my sister in Virginia, as I like to say, their second favorite child. So they can't do anything about it right now. Um, no, but they are on their way back. They had a great time. So I am, I'm honored. I'm excited to be able to share God's word with you today. And, and it's, always, it's always exciting. I, whenever somebody sees me, you know, with the headpiece on, they, you know, they ask me in the lobby, like, oh, are you, are you speaking today? Yeah, I'm speaking today. And they're like, ah, um, you know, I, like, I think I left my iron on in my oven. I got to go. <laughs> You know, it's super encouraging, you know, to know that everybody's ready to hear from God. No, no, no. No, it's nothing like that. No, but I am, I am excited to, uh, to, to speak to you today, and I do appreciate it. It seems, like, uh, it seems like God always has something good to say to us. And I, and I do want to speak today and encourage you. I want you to open your heart. Uh, the topic that we're going to get into that I want to talk about is understanding God's authority can lead to breakthroughs. And I want to take a little bit of a different look whenever we hear the subject of, of authority, because a lot of times right off the bat we think, ah, oh, the, the authority of the believer, you know, I can go around and cast out demons and everything else like that, and, and that's absolutely true. God gave us the same authority as Jesus Christ. But sometimes, you know, it's one thing to understand that you have something, but then it's another thing to understand how it works. And sometimes what, at least I found in my life, that concepts in the Bible or ideas in the Bible, the more I dig into them and the more I find about how God has orchestrated it from the beginning till now, the more my faith actually is built up and backed into it. The more I understand about a subject, the more confidence I have it in myself too. And so I want to encourage you because I really do, by the Spirit of God, want to encourage you today that today if you allow God to speak to your heart. And here's what I want to say. The Holy Spirit is so masterful. He is able to speak to each one of us so differently. I mean, you could have a subject, you could be a sermon on one thing, and he could speak something different to every single individual in a room pertaining to just what they need. And I love that because God is so personal. He knows your situation. He knows your past. He knows what he has planned for you. And he wants to get you something that is specifically tailored to your heart. So I encourage you today, open up your heart because I know by the Spirit of God that today allowing him to speak to you through this message is absolutely, unequivocally going to change the circumstances that you are facing in your life. You are going to watch them change before your eyes because you are starting to get a different concept of how God really does his authority is working in your life, whether you know it or not. And the whole concept of authority is kind of neat to me. I always, I always think it's it, it's a unique thing. Someone was um, someone was telling me that uh, you know you think of loyalty, authority, and people think you know like oh you think of like a police dog. You ever see a police dog you know being commanded by the? Every year we go we go out to this field day with the kids, and they have the police dogs and they show all the training. And man, those dogs are just like. It's amazing how they're just looking for the next command to come out of that, that officer's mouth to do something. They're so just 100% attention to that officer to do whatever they're commanded to do. And it's like the dogs, it's like they're, it's amazing. 
It's like their entire purpose is fulfilled just by obeying that officer, you know? And it's like they are so happy to do it. It brings the, it, it's like, it's amazing to watch. And now my brother-in-law, he used to actually train, uh, train dogs. And he told me this, it was a really interesting concept. He goes, you know, you think of whenever you see the, the, the police officer with the dog and the dog, you know, will defend the police officer. And it's, you think, oh, it's because of the, the bond is so special and unique to that officer. And that is true. But actually in the dog's mindset, it's all about authority. Because in the dog's mind, the officer is the alpha, and it's next in line. And so any challenge to the alpha, the dog thinks, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get to challenge the alpha without going through me first. Once you go through me, then you can challenge him. And so it's interesting, because that, the whole purpose of that dog, it's very essence of its being, because we know the dogs, they're pack animals, they're, their whole mentality, I have a dog at home, and she thinks she is the alpha, you know, and there's a lot of... There's a lot of arguments, you know, that I have with that dog. She doesn't understand a whole lot of what I try to get across to her, you know, but we're working on it. You know, it's been like how many years now, but we're working on it. No, but it's ingrained into that animal to obey the lines of authority, so much so that that's its reaction in those stressful situations as it responds to protect the... It's, it is protecting the officer, but it's also protecting its place in the line of authority. What an interesting concept. And what I want to do today is I want to go through a few things and help us understand that we're not too far off in how God has set up this entire existence of reality that we know it. It's all been established on his authority. It's all been established on his power. But sometimes whenever you know authority, it kind of changes the nature of things. And uh, I want to share this, this short little, uh, I, it was a, a story that I read so back whenever uh, Jimmy Carter was president, his daughter, Amy Carter, was going to, going to school at the time. And on a Friday, she had a weekend assignment on the Industrial Revolution. And so Amy Carter has to go through and create this paper and give all these different points about the Industrial Revolution. And she's stuck at this one particular part of it of explaining it. So she asked her mom. Her mom doesn't know the answer. So the mom figures that, well... What, what she, she'll do is surely somebody at the Labor Department would have some kind of an understanding of, you know, back, back story to know what the, what the answer to this is. So she calls up one of, the, one of the clerks and expresses, hey, you know, these are the things we I, I need to know these things about the Industrial Revolution real quick. Um, it's due Monday. It's for her daughter, it's due Monday. So she's like, if we could put a rush on it, that would be great. So the clerk takes it. And the clerk runs it up the line, and as it gets run up the line, the, the, it's either miscommunicated or misunderstood. Everybody believes that this is a rush from the president himself, <laughs> wanting this by Monday to know these details on the Industrial Revolution. So in the Labor Department, they have people that work overtime all through the weekend, trying to go through all the archives to gather all this information, and here on Sunday, they deliver the report. To President Carter, who has no clue what he's looking at. <laughs> like, and then, of course, they find out, oh, it, was, it came from his, his wife, Rosa Lynn, who was asking for his, his, her daughter, Amy. And so it was funny because she feels terrible. She's like, I just put all these people through all this overtime and spent all this money to get a paper for my daughter. 
And now the real, the real kicker is the daughter uses the information, of course, you know, and puts it in and gets a C on it anyways. <laughs> but it's, it's a funny thought, though, where it becomes just one thing where it's, oh, well, this is just for Amy Carter to, wait, this is coming from President Carter. There's, there's a different level of authority all of a sudden that everybody reacts to. And the same should be for our lives. What I want us today is just to take a moment and I want us to think of authority, the structures of authority that God has put up in earth and with himself. Let's consider it a real serious thing. And I'm telling you today, as we do this, God is going to speak to your hearts and he is really going to help you understand where maybe some shifts need to occur in our own hearts on how we perceive authority and what we think about it. Because I guarantee you, your circumstances in your life will change. And so the first thing I want to look at is some of the, the concepts of God's authority. And the first thing I want to look at is the established authority that God set up. And I want to take it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And now, here's, here's our concept. Most of the time, we think, whenever we think of authority, I think most Christians, whenever we think of authority, we immediately think of our authority that we have. And so whenever you think of the Garden of Eden, you might think, oh, well, that's the authority that God gave man, over, man Adam and Eve, over the earth, where he said, have dominion over the earth and subdue it. Totally right. He did. God gave Adam and Eve total authority over the earth. But what I want to go back is that it actually started before that. And it started with the, not, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here comes the key to understanding the authority. God wanted their entire concept of what was right and wrong to come from him, not from another source. He wanted to be able to dictate all the knowledge that they needed to know and everything that they needed to operate in the earth with his authority. And so he set up a structure, this knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and everyone was to say, well, he did it just to tempt them. See, here's the thing that God wants. He wants our submission to his authority, not our subjugation to his authority. He doesn't want our obedience to him to be something that's feigned, something that we do out of just sheer suppression. We're overpowered and have no choice. There's nothing else. We have no ability other than to do it. God wants our submission to his authority to be willful, a choice that we make. Otherwise, it's not a choice. And you think of the same concept because you could easily apply it to say God wanted their love. And it's true. He wanted the, love without a choice is not, a, is not love. And I love this quote because I think whenever people hear the word submission, and I want to get this out of, our, out of the way right away, people hear the word submission and we think that it's a weak thing. We think that it's a thing that is, it makes us look small. It makes us... Uh, we lack power. We lack the ability to think for ourselves. But isn't that exactly the nature of what the world wants us to think? Wasn't that the temptation of the tree in the first place? Satan came up. What, you can't think for yourself? You can't determine what's right and wrong? Surely whenever you eat of it, you'll have the ability to think and know just as God knows. It's the lie. But if we would understand that whenever we submit our lives, ourselves, our thoughts, our will, our intention, our actions to our Heavenly Father, and truly submit it as He wants it, we will find that the power and the authority that He designed us to have 
will be, if we could go back one side, we're not quite there yet. Close, 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 not quite there yet. Um, if we would understand that, we would actually have more authority, we would operate in more of his authority than we could ever possibly imagine. So the upfront, God once wanted Adam and Eve to submit to his will, to take the knowledge of right and wrong from his perspective, not from something outside of it. And submission to him was the way to do it. I love this quote on submission, and I want to get this, this correct by uh, Warren uh, Wearsby. It says, subjugation turns a person into a thing, destroys individuality, and removes all liberty. Submission is not subjugation. Submission makes a person become more of what God wanted him to be. It brings out the individuality. It gives him the freedom to accomplish all that God has for his life and ministry. Subjugation is weakness. It is the refuge for those who are afraid of maturity. Submission is strength, and it is the first step towards true maturity in one's personal ministry. Man, that's a lot. But isn't this what God said? He gives, what does he give to the humble? He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Why can he give grace to the humble? Because I've submitted myself to be in line with him. So before Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the, 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 the tree, they relied on God for everything. All of their knowledge base was based on him. Right and wrong came through him. However, here's the thing. They weren't tempted just to disobey by eating the fruit by the serpent. It was actually to follow a different authority, to set up a whole authority based on themselves, their own thoughts, their own ideas. And by taking that fruit and eating it, they found a different source of right and wrong other than God that they imagined. And that's really what I want to get to because you see that today. It's so much so that we think that now everybody knows how to distinguish good from evil and to judge what is right and wrong. And that we all know better than what God said. Even you see this attack on the Bible. Oh, well, that's, that was out of context for what the Bible said. That, was, that, that, that doesn't apply to us here now. Hey, it says that his word is established for all eternity. It said that the heavens and earth would disappear, pass away before one letter of it. One letter is moved. That's some powerful stuff. But our entire culture, this is it right now. The kind of deception, we, we, we think it's just judging right and wrong and just saying, oh, I'm, I, I know that, that that's wrong, those people are wrong, that idea is right, that, that's the one we want to follow. But really what it is, it's not just judging right and wrong, it's rebellion against what God says is right and wrong. It's rebellion, it's not just a misjudgment. In fact, the entire culture moving to this woke mindset ex exhibits this entirely. It's, I mean, it's a total humanist movement. You as the person, you live your truth. You do what's right for you. And if someone disagrees, there's always outrage. Because that's what it seems to be met with. But the problem is, is the human reasoning of right and wrong will never have the right balance, ever. We will be incapable of doing it. And in fact, without... It, Without, if we're left without any influence of what God says are right and wrong, right and wrong is eventually erased altogether. 
And the Bible talks about that, that that is what will eventually be coming, where God says, I am now going to step in and make things right. And that's where we start to see where the stuff in Revelation hits of, man, there's an eternal kingdom that's going to be set up. But the whole woke mentality that we can determine all these right and wrongs and judge who, is, who, who deserves what, it's, it's so hypocritical. In fact, it, it will always produce the opposite of what it states to produce. I, I read this week, at, maybe you saw the article at Berkeley, University of Berkeley, right? Leading the way in all woke, woke ideas out there in, in good old California. They were going to set up, um, they're going to set up Jew-free zones, at Berkeley, yeah, there was a, a, a section of students that submitted bylaws that they would be able to sit, sit, they would be able to have Jewish free zones at Berkeley. Help me understand how that's, how that's, how that works. I mean, like, honestly, there, there's a quote, those who fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. Isn't this kind of the idea of what they had in the 40s in Germany, Right? And now it became a big thing. And the dean had to step in and try to clarify, well, no, we're not, we're not setting that. Everyone's welcome to speak as they want at the campus, but then gives the caveat. But if the students want to do that, well, that's within their rights. It's like, you see how it's, it's so two-sided. But that's that, and we might, we might be able to say that and say, that is, that's bonkers. I can't believe that they would do that. Well, that's our judgment of right and wrong. But in the same way, their judgment of right and wrong leads them to feel the exact same way because it's still based on what we think, not what he thinks. You even see this in corporate organizations now. They're set up employee support groups. And a lot of times, whenever they set up these employee support groups, it's meant for a specific, it's either they're, they're trying to do it by a race or a class and the one company that I was looking at, it literally was down by race that you had to submit some kind of a, establish yourself that you were part of a certain racial background. And then you were allowed to be part of the support group. Other people could join in the support group, but you had no voice in the support group. You were just there to watch. And, you know, like, I, I watch this and I look at this and it's like, didn't, didn't people literally give up their lives to not have this? They literally spilled their blood to go for what true equality is. But here's the, here, here's the danger, here's the danger. From all sides, the people that consider themselves oppressed will point at the other and say, no, 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 you're the wrong. And the people that aren't as oppressed will point down and say, no, you're getting it just as good. It, it never balances out as long as we are the ones that try to make the balance. So where do I, what, what do you say? Well, how, how is this, where are you going with this, Pastor Ben? Here's what I say is if we look to what God's authority says on the matter, it becomes perfection. Because it says in Christ, there is no Jew, no Greek. There is no slave, there is no free. There is no female, there is no male. They are all in Christ. He says, you are equal because you're in me. And it's kind of like the opposition of, and I love this, I love this, I love this in Isaiah. The whole scripture, there's a, there's a scripture where it's talking about how God would redeem Israel. And his right, he would give them his righteousness. Because that scripture right there, it's saying there is, there's no distinction in Christ. It's because his righteousness puts us at the same level as Jesus Christ himself. 
That's the perfection of God's authority. That's the authority that he wants us to understand. You, me, we are all, we are all, I mean, it, it, is, it blows our mind because it, to think, wait, 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 you're saying that I'm an equal just like Jesus Christ? That's why it says in Hebrews, we can approach the throne with confidence. Why? Because I know that I've been redeemed by Jesus Christ and you've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter your background, what you've done, none of it. We are all in unity. And here's the, here's, here's, here's the point of it. When we truly understand his authority, we deal with his authority, not the differences of mankind. The differences of us as human beings, it, it erodes away. And instead now, I see that one's in Christ, and you're in Christ, and you're in Christ. Maybe another, they don't know Christ, but they can be in Christ. And all of a sudden, the value of a human soul, it doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter where they've been, what they've done. It's the value that that person could have the spirit of the living God inside of them at any given moment. Man. And you know, it, this is a concept that isn't, I'll, I'll give an example right out of the Bible with it. Uh, in Acts 22, Paul, who was, who was a Jew, at this point in Acts, he's going around, he's preaching the gospel, and he's stirring some stuff up. And most of the people who got stirred up about it were the Hebrews. They got awfully mad about it. And in Acts 22, it gets so crazy that, you know, the, the chant from the crowd, now imagine, you know, you're trying to tell people about Jesus, and the chant back from the crowd is, he shouldn't live. I mean, like, okay, like, maybe, obviously, I'm not connecting with you guys, you know, you know Paul, Paul's having a hard time with this. Well, it gets to the point that they go get the Romans, the centurions, because they're like, well, he's, a, he, he's causing a problem. So in the centurion's mind, they think this is just a racial matter between the Hebrews, so they come in, they take Paul, and they put him in chains, and they go to flog him, to just punish him and then kick him out and get rid of him. However, the difference was is that Paul was a Roman citizen. Back in that time, you couldn't put a Roman citizen in chains and flog them without a trial. That was what the authority of Rome dictated. So whenever Paul gets back to their barracks and they're about to go do this, he tells, he tells the centurion going to do it, would you do this to a Roman citizen that hasn't stood trial yet? And all of a sudden, that centurion stops. He goes to get his commander. He's like, hey, buddy. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, right? But he says, hey, uh, we just put this guy that we thought was just some Hebrew causing some problems. We put him in chains. We were about to flog him. He's a Roman citizen. All of a sudden, the commander now comes down to speak with Paul. And I'm sure it's like that. It's like we've all been there where we talk to customer support and, like, you know you got them. You know, it's like I, like, I know I'm going to get something out of this one, you know. And they come in and they're real apologetic, you know. There's the calming voice, you know. So I'm sure that commander, you know, came down to Paul like, hey, buddy, how's it going? You know, everything okay here? You know, you're all right? But he asked Paul a question. He says, they tell me that you're a Roman citizenship, Roman citizen. And he said, did you buy it or were you born with it? And Paul says, I was born with it. And then the commander says, I obtained mine through a great price. And so immediately, it said, in the Bible, it says they released Paul and withdrew from him immediately. Why? Because that centurion and that commander knew that now if they violated that, they were messing with the authority of the Roman government and they would be punished for violating that. All of a sudden, Paul wasn't just some rabble, Hebrew rabble rouser causing up. They didn't, care. they didn't care what background, what race he was. He was a Roman citizen, and that's all that mattered. The concept isn't too far off. 
for us to be in Christ and be able to be all together as one. But here's what I want to put to it. And this is the next, this is the slide on it. Whenever we understand God's authority and we submit to it, we judge people less. And the more we look to follow him through others. Why? Because now I'm valuing that individual. They have the same authority in Christ given to them on a spiritual level. Man, if we had that same heart, how different it would be in how we treat people, how we value people. But let's look a little bit more into this. So this is, this is all coming back. We, we, just, we, just hit, we just hit Eden, right? Remember, this is all coming back from the authority that God wanted to have. Now, Adam and Eve violate that, and they try to judge right and wrong for themselves. And so what happens is, is the whole na- what happens is there's a long line of then, we read in the Old Testament, of mankind trying to be right, but they can't get it. So God gives them the law, which, man, if you read it, it's impossible to follow. But that's God's perfection. So thousands of years pass where people still struggle with this concept of trying to do right. What is, what, what is the right thing to do? Where, is, where does my judgment end and his begin? And then Jesus shows up. And now Jesus' goal while he was on earth was not just to give salvation, which he openly did, not just to invite it for all that would call upon the name of the Lord that would be saved, but it was to gather all power and authority on this earth to himself by fulfilling the law, perfectly obeying the law. And then it was his, and then the most beautiful thing happened whenever he died and was rose again, he gave it to his church. And here's the thing, though. That's just one part of it. We love the idea of being able to operate in his authority, but are we sure that we follow his authority? Because right now we're just talking about the established authority that God has put in this earth, but there's a whole other aspect that we're going to hit on today of God's delegated authority on this earth and how important it is that we sure that we align our hearts with that as well. So the entire plan of redemption was given Yes, for our salvation, but also that we would be considered sons and daughters of God. To rest and walk in the same line of authority. That's why he calls us ambassadors. Jason mentioned it last week. Whenever you're an ambassador and you say something, the power of that country behind you is on the ticket for what you said. He called you ambassadors. You are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm not perfect in this either, but if I think about that concept, like, man, Lord, I've said some things that, I don't know, I want to put the kingdom of heaven behind on, that's a check I don't want on the right. Anyone else or just me? Yeah, you know, we've all been there. (laughs) But the idea was, is that God gives this back to the church so that we can begin to learn and come into this idea, this concept of what God's authority structure is. Because he makes it clear, and all the way back from the Old Testament, he made it clear, there's going to be a different kingdom that comes. I'm going to get tired of this, this disobedience, this rebellion against my authority. And God's like, I'm going to set it straight. In Isaiah 9-7, it says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Man, think of that. There is no end to the increase of his government or peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, I think that's such an interesting concept. 
God is talking about the future kingdom all the way throughout eternity being based on something in the past. That means his authority structure hasn't changed from whenever he first set it up. He wants it to continue. To establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And I catch this last part. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will accomplish this. Whoa. The zeal, God's fervor, God's excitement. Yes, this is going to be my kingdom, and I'm going to set it up, and everyone is going to be in it. We are all going to be united again. Man, God has a zeal for it. So of everything I think about with that, God gives it first to Adam and Eve, and they, they miss it. And then in the Old Testament, they missed it there too. Jesus comes and tries to do a soft reset on it, but it's still that there's something in the future. I, you know what? I'd like to think if that's the case, then I should maybe gain some levels of understanding of how this authority works here now and today. And this is the next point that I want to get to is God's we want to understand a little bit. So that was his authority structure that he set up. He is the source of right and wrong. He is the one that gives the power of the authority. It's all in him, within him. He has it. But here we are, we're going to look at that God also delegates his authority out on this earth in the same way. You know, this is where we like to say, hey, yep, I got the authority of Jesus Christ over its sickness, over demons. And you're right, we do. But I also have the obligation to submit to authority and follow authority. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait a minute. I can't make a t-shirt out of that one, man. But here's the thing. God says that there's a beauty with it. And I want to read this. I know it's, if you could turn to Ephesians 1. I, I, start, and I want to read it because I really feel like this is such a beautiful encapsulation of so many different points of what God is really pulling together with this concept of authority. I'm going to read it here. You can follow along in your Bibles. It's also here. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him better. I mean, that's a really great thing to pray. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. In who? In his holy people. So that means all of his inheritance. He wants us to understand, look, it's in us. Everyone say, it's in us. All right, let's keep going. It says, in his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him where? At his right hand in heavenly realms. I love this. Look at where Christ is. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God isn't going to do this reset where everything is totally different in the future. It is all the same that he has established all the way back from the Garden of Eden, where we are under and submitted to his authority, and that's what he wants. Let's continue. It says, And God placed all things under his, meaning Jesus, feet, and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
Paul's saying, I hope that you can understand and get a real look at just how much power God has that he has put together in Jesus Christ, that he has prepared and had established ever since before the beginning of the reality that we know it. He's established it. And he's saying, I hope you get a revelation. Paul is saying, I hope you get a revelation of this. I hope you understand this. Because if you do, then you understand that you are one with Christ. That you are literally living out his authority, his actions as his body that has been given to him. Whew. Man. I'm, did I tell you that your circumstances in your life will change whenever you submit to his authority? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. But here's the thing. This is where it gets a little tricky. God delegated authority. That means not only do I have to submit to him directly, but I also have to look in my life of what are the delegated authorities that God has put over me that I need to submit to. And this is where it gets tricky for us. Because I can easily say, oh yeah, I submit to God. I'll do you know, whatever he wants me to do. And then whenever you know, maybe there's a brother or sister in my life that speaks into my life, and I know I need to submit to that. Ah, I don't like what they have to say. You know, they, what are they? Well, right there, I'm just discounting that entire body that was just filled with all, how much power and authority? All? Here's where it gets tricky. But if you look at it, it the delegated authority idea really is what God set up in the beginning. He gave it to Adam and Eve to rule over the earth. You know, from there, actually, it was Noah had an element of it. You know, after whenever he, he through the through the flood, afterwards Noah had it. And then to Abraham and his descendants, it was given that, that same power and authority. And then to Moses. And now Moses is one of the most interesting studies. If you ever read through and you look at Moses, some of the concepts of God's delegated authority into Moses is some of the most interesting things that you could really dig into. And you find, and I love the scripture where it says, and this goes back to what we said, submission is humility. It's not subjugation. And it said that Moses was the mo one of the most humble men on earth. Why? Because he was perfectly submitted to the authority that God put him under. Perfectly. And here's the interesting thing, because you see on several occasions, the children of Israel... They, and this is interesting. I'm gonna, I'll give you this on a freebie. The children of Israel started complaining, and then the complaint led to rebellion. Started with complaining, and it led to rebellion. And at each individual time, you could look at the individual concepts of it. It started with a few people, and then it spread to many people. We need to be careful with our words, our hearts, our attitudes, because rebellion is something that we might say, oh, I just don't like that person, what they have to say. And then we speak against them. How long before we're speaking against our Heavenly Father and we don't even know it? Remember, the more we submit the authority, the less we see of people and the more we just respond to authority. But you find that whenever Moses was challenged by these people, and you look at you find it in Numbers, there was a, some accounts of this, God took it as though they were challenging him directly. And it seemed that God treated that if you challenge my delegated authority, you're challenging me. Whoa. It's heavy. And if you go there, you'll notice that whenever Moses was challenged, this is beautiful, Moses didn't respond directly to it. You know what he's, in the occasions, essentially what he said is, 
We'll go to the Lord and see what he has to say. Here's the other thing, guys. Sometimes as much as we want to, if we understand the authority that we are under, we don't need to defend ourselves. I don't need to speak up for myself. Why? The Lord will take care of it. And you know, the angels even understand this. If you read in the book of Jude, it talks about, it talks about the battle for the body of Moses. And whenever it even says at that moment that Gabriel didn't even, he wouldn't even utter a judgment against Satan himself. Now, if I'm thinking about it, there's one dude that I could probably say, you're wrong, man. Like, I mean, in all honesty, right? But what did he say? He didn't even rebuke him. He said, the Lord judge you. Same idea with Moses. Moses understood his spot of where he was, and he was securing it. Now, was it, did it mean that Moses didn't have any stress? No. Moses had a lot of stress. A lot of it. You got to talk to God about it, but he had a lot of stress. But here's what it is. Moses recognized that I'm under authority, and the challenge to me is a challenge to him. I can let this go. But here's the thing I'm going to tell you. Really, they were resisting God's authority, the people that wanted to rebel. Here's the problem, though. Whenever you resist God's authority in your life, it will always manifest in you targeting other people instead. When you resist God's authority in your life, it will always manifest that you target other people instead. And I, I, I'm not going to say 100%, but I'm going to tell you, most of the time, the reason why you target those people are the, because spiritually, those are the people that God put as a delegated authority in your life that you need to listen to in one way or another. Remember, God said, all, in, it says in the New Testament, submit yourselves one to another. Stuff, it, it, look, the stuff isn't easy. But I'm telling you, if we fall into it, there's so much blessing for us in our life. There's so much that now, now instead of whenever I look at a circumstance in my life, I don't have to worry about me coming up with all the solutions. If I'm following and I'm in line with God's authority and I'm submitted to it, a problem comes in my life, Lord, tell me what I need to do to it because it's your power and authority that's going to change it, not me. Our whole reliance changes because we're reliant on him. I'll give you another example of this for submitting to God's authority with it. Paul, you know, in the earth, with the, uh, before he was Paul, he was persecuting the church, killing Christians. Here's the thing. He thought he was doing God's will. Saul was not a dumb guy. I mean, he was one of the most learned Pharisees that there is. The guy knew his stuff. But isn't it interesting? Whenever he resisted God's authority, who did he target? People. He has this encounter with Jesus. And whenever Jesus says, he, he encounters him, what does he say? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who did Jesus delegate the authority to? Us. So God, Jesus perceived it as, hey, you're persecuting my people. You're persecuting me. Now, now here you go. The entire concept for the Hebrews was different because before God was only... It was either the king, the priest, or the prophet that was, man, that's the direct delegated authority. Now Jesus blows that mindset out of the water and says, it's everybody now. If you're in Christ, it's you. And so for Paul, this was like, I'm sure it was a lot, but Paul was a smart man. And he, what does he say? 
His response is, who are you, Lord? (laughs) You know? He gets it. He gets it. But Paul submits to it. And he understands then this concept that I will do whatever you tell me to do. And what does Jesus tell him to do? And get this idea. He tells him to go to this little place and meet this guy named Ananias. Now, don't get me wrong. Ananias is mentioned once in the Bible. Right here, this is it. Okay? Now, to get your name in the Bible, like, let's just level set the playing field. That's pretty big, right? You know? But if you consider all the people in the Bible, Ananias is not this some great prophet, great teacher. It doesn't describe that. Just a little-known brother. And in fact, whenever God told Ananias he's going there, Ananias is like, whoa, dude, hey, we, uh, this is the guy that's killing everybody, right, God? Like, just, just checking, making sure. But what did Paul do? Paul went to Ananias and submitted to Ananias. Why? Because that's what God told him to do. God, Paul didn't see Ananias. He saw Okay, that's fair. I'm going to give you that one. That was a good one, actually. Paul was blind physically. But here, here's the setup. Paul didn't recognize Ananias. Why do I got to go good talk to him? Don't you know, Lord, how much I already know about all this stuff? No, 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 no. Immediately, I'll do it. And he went and did it. And what happened to Paul? He gets hands laid on him. He's healed. And then he is ushered into what I would argue is one of the greatest ministries that we've ever seen since Moses and David in the Bible. If he didn't submit to God and go to that, what we would consider lowly brother of Ananias, what would have happened to Paul? Somebody else maybe? I don't know. I mean, think about it. Our entire history is set up on this this point. Paul submitting. And this concept comes to us in a number of different ways. Where Jesus says, look, if you don't forgive others, I can't, your Heavenly Father can't do it either. He can't forgive you. Why? Because people are Jesus. They're all under my authority. Matthew 25, where he says that, as much as you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And it's the concept both ways. As much as you do it or don't do it to the least of these, you've done it or not done it to me. So Paul goes to Ananias' house in total humility, total submission to God's authority. And he receives that. But this concept's difficult sometimes for us because sometimes the person that God wants us to submit to is not the person that we want to. Anyone ever been anyone ever been a teenager? Right? Submission to parents ain't easy. You know, but in the same way, in the same way, God says that children should obey their parents. And it's the first commandment with a promise attached to them that they would live long in the land. God wants the idea of submission to be something that's understood at a young age. Because God puts all these different delegated authorities all around us. You know, maybe, it's, maybe the delegated authority is that manager, that boss, that overseer that you have at your secular job that you do not like and have zero respect for. Maybe that's the person that God wants you to submit to. Yeah, I mean, in Ephesians 5, 6, and 7, check this one out. I mean, if, you're, if we're ready for it. <laughs> It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect 
in fear and with the sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. What? You mean that person that I know more than at work? The one that can't fill out the time cards right that I got to go correct? Obey them like they're Christ? I didn't say it. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. There's the concept again. The more that I come under authority, the less I see a person and the more I see God's authority placed in everyone around me. Here it is. All that does is you have opened up every single conduit of every person around you for God to be able to speak to you, move in your life, receive prayer from, all of it. Whenever we shrink away from authority, we are lowering our ability to receive from conduits that God wants us to receive from. That's why the body of Christ is meant to support one another. Think of our physical body. If I sprain my ankle, what does the rest of my body do? It favors that ankle. We're supposed to be in the same way. Whenever part of the body is injured, we move in to help the body with all of the authority and power that Jesus Christ has put into us. Because we are submitted to him and under his authority, now I can minister to the other parts of that body because I know that I am under his authority. You know, this is the hard concept because we see it here just with work, but then it, this happens in church a lot too. Maybe a pastor gets, you know, to know someone a little bit better and all of a sudden that pastor offers a few points of correction in someone's life and they don't like that. They don't agree with that. Or maybe they've started, and this is what it comes back to, remember I said the more that we get out of the lines of authority, the more we will start to blame people. Maybe, maybe God is speaking to that pastor to help correct that person, and instead of responding to it, they buck against it. And now all of a sudden, it's, well, they're just like so-and-so. They're just trying to control me. I, they want to make me this. They want to make me that. Not realizing that that's really God speaking through that pastor that has been the delegated authority in their life. And I've watched so many Christians do this where all of a sudden, whenever they... They encounter something that they don't like in the church or God's correcting them. Sometimes this is it too. Sometimes it has nothing to do with anything the pastor has said at all. I mean, I've talked to, I have, I have friends that are ministers, you know, we, you, you talk about this, that there's a, something that God is dealing with them in their life and they won't submit to God and then it's projected upon everything in the church, everybody around them, all Christians, and all of a sudden everything becomes these big broad categories without any reason put behind it. That's not what God wants. At that point, you're now saying, I am my own authority. I'll figure this out on my own. I don't need to hear from you. No, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Now, here's what I'm saying. Am I, am I saying that everybody, you listen to everybody, that every, everything everybody says all the time, nonstop. You need to be your own judge and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Not everything that everybody says is going to be like a word from the Lord. What I'm going after with this is a heart attitude. They were ready for it. But the Bible even talks about this. It says that we should give honor to those who are in higher positions within the church. Scripture up in 1 Timothy 5.17. 
It said, elders who do the church's work are well worth twice as much honor. That is true in a special way of elders who preach and teach. And then in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I'm going to let you know this, guys. Pastor Steve and Mamie are the least, like, flippant, off-the-cuff people. Their, their hearts for you is so ingrained to know that one day they're going to give an account for everything that they have directed, said, given advice to, prayed for, all of it, with everybody who has ever set foot and passed through this church. And I'm letting you know, it is something they take extremely serious. Their heart is only to give what God wants to be given to you in this church. Their heart, that purpose of the church know God, find purpose, experience life. That is what they want. They want it more than anything else. And you can make a demand on that. You can make a demand to say, no, 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 no. I'm submitted to my pastors in this church. God, I want you to speak to me through them. You can do that because God put his power and authority in them. And so you can draw it out of them and make a demand on it just as much. If we're submitted to authority, God's authority. Now here's another, here's a couple, here's, a, here's where it gets a little more, we get a little more, uh, this one gets a little more touchy. In Romans 13, 1 and 2. You see, because God also makes it clear that there's authority in the church that I've delegated, the overseers, you know, the pastors, there's a level of authority that all of us have, but he also said, hey, look, that secular authority, that governmental authority, it's part of me too. None of it goes unnoticed by me. It's all been put in place. I know where it's at. It says in, in Romans 13, it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, this is tough. I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is tough. You look at the, this country in the last eight years, and you're like, what do we even do with this, God? Like, how, how is all this, where, where, where's my place in it? Submit to it. Say, whoa, 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 whoa. And see, you know, I always think it's funny for us as Americans, we think, oh, this is so hard to do. But then I think back to our missionaries that came in from Think Missions in Cuba, in Reach Ministries over in Asia Pacific. And if we think we have an oppressive government, we have no clue what an oppressive government is. I mean, the concept of that is just uh, almost the difference between, the, the, the space between the earth and the sky. But what do we do with that? Because there's lines of it that you say, well, how do I, how do I, there's really no exclusion to it. It says it right here in Romans. Now I'll say this. There's a time and a place where the government overreaches. And you look at the entire establishment of America itself. What was it? They wanted religious freedom. And what did they do? 
They split, they rebelled, and look what happened. But it was for the right reason. Now, I'm going to say this. I, as much as the founding fathers, you look and say, oh my gosh, like that's, what a position to be in. Man, I would, if this is true, that you would bring judgment on yourself from rebelling against instituted authority, I better be absolutely sure that this is what God wanted me to do. Absolutely sure that this is what God wanted me to do. Now, but you see this in Acts too. They were preaching the gospel and they get brought in, they get roughed up and then told, don't talk about Jesus anymore. And their response is, we have to obey, obey God rather than obey man. So here's what I'm saying with it. There is a time and a place that it needs to be done. I mean, the whole idea with, I, I tell you what, it got pretty close with the whole idea of shutting down churches with all that. Well, where's the line? It's a line that I want to pray about to find out where that line is. I don't want to make that flippant judgment just to say, yep, this is it. I want to be sure that I'm doing it and following God's authority and I'm not out of line with it. So there's two parts to it because you could read the book of Acts right here and you say, well, they disobeyed the authority and they did because they chose to follow God rather than that. And that is the key because they recognized, no, it's not you as a person that I'm resisting, but the authority that you're trying to put me under is not the authority that I need to follow. And I have to change. And I have to follow that authority. Now, I'll give you this, because I know that, and I'm going to be honest, I mean, look, regardless of where you're at on the political spectrum, you could feel a whole number of different ways about what I'm saying. But I want you to hear my heart in it. Because none of what happened was outside of God's purview or what he understood. But I'll give you this. The faster that we submit to authority, the faster God will judge it. Here's your example. Children of Israel go for hundreds of years of sinning terribly. They finally get brought down and taken out by the Babylonians. And on their way to exile, what does God tell them through the prophets? Go to Babylon, live your lives. Follow them. Live in that country. Obey the king. Wow, that's tough. But here's, think of it, think of it in this line. While they go there and do that, what are the prophets then saying? The prophets are basically saying, Babylon, don't think you're the sun in the sky. You're going to get wrecked. And then the people that wreck you, they're going to get wrecked. Why? God told his people, go there, submit to that. And then I'll judge it. I'll take care of it. Now, but here's my point that I want to make with it too. They followed it and they found favor in that kingdom. In fact, some of them, like, look at Daniel, put up to a high place within it. And then whenever they go to the king to try to get supplies to start, they say, hey, we want to rebuild. The king is like, well, we're going to do this. And then the king, like, we're just reading this in the reading. And I was like, man, talk about, like, why don't I like reading this as a law? The king says, anyone who opposes you or, to, or, or tries to stop you, I will destroy their house and take the beam of their house and impale that person on it. Okay, man, like. Just like, could you throw them in jail instead? Like, I get it, all right, man. But here, here's the thing. Because the children of Israel followed what God said and submitted to that, all of a sudden they found so much favor with that kingdom that was a different kingdom than their own. But if they had been in a constant point of insurrection and rebellion and disobedience, 
Would they have found the favor of that king the same way? I don't know. I don't know. But here's the thing. They entrusted themselves that God would judge that kingdom, and God did. So I want to encourage you, because, see, the same point relies in it, but there were individuals that God called in that Babylonian kingdom to say, hey, now, now's the time to stand up. Now's the time to stand up and make a difference. Now's the time to stand up and say, hey, the way that we've been doing it needs to change. But they were called to. That's something that you have to work out of where God is speaking to you in your life. Because there's a value to it. There's a value to speaking up and having a voice against the world's authority. There is, and we're supposed to. God wouldn't have called us an ambassador unless we were in a place that was foreign to what we were, what we were following. But whenever you do it and you are in submission to him and his delegated authority in your life, you're going to find that God is going to make the pathways of how you can do that, how you can make those waves in that political structure of the government authorities. But I want to caution us not to become just, oh, no, 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 I don't, you know, I don't believe in that. You know, we're going to go into it. No, 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 no. Let, let's, let's be sure that we're following God's authority correctly with this. Because whenever you do, God will give you the ability to resist. And then it won't, be, it won't be them trying to stop you. It'll be them trying to stop God. And you will succeed. You will overcome. And people have been called to do that in our history. Be sensitive. Maybe that's you. But as we look at it, authority covers all areas of our life. From the family, I and mean, we didn't even get into this, it talks about the place of a husband, the place of a wife, and the children to the parents. We just talked about it with the government. There's the national leaders, local leaders, and then us as citizens. In the church, there's the pastors, the elders, and then the members. Even in our jobs, there's the business owners, the managers, the supervisors, and the employees. Whether we want it or not, we'll never be free from the idea, the concept of authority. But we can figure out how to work within it. If we understand that God wants us to flow and work in all of these different, these different areas of authority in our life, following him, allowing him to be our right and wrong, all of a sudden we are going to operate and live our everyday life with his power and his authority behind it. I mean, I, I, I want to put this back. I, for, I, I forgot to mention this. You look at the founding of America. If you really read the history of it, it's almost insurmountable odds that they overcame. I mean, really, it was insurmountable odds. And like so many things that were just coincidences of how things happened in the place. It was fueled by God. If you move in the authority structures that God has wanted in your life. Maybe you're having problems with your boss. I encourage you, submit to them. Pray for them. As you would obey Christ. Why? Remember what I said? If you submit and you pray, God will bring the judgment in on that. It's not up to you to do it. He may direct you to do some things to help usher it along, and that's okay. I'm not saying we just submit and just be like, God, all, all you, take it from here. No, we still have parts to play from it. 
But here's what I will say. The more that we come under authority, the more that we're going to rest from our own works and rely on what he wants us to do. It becomes less about all the things that we want to do, and it becomes more about obedience. And you even see this concept whenever Jesus was given the example about the people that were the, his ministers. That they, He says, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to get into the kingdom of heaven. Those that do the will of my Father. And then they're going to say, well, we cast out demons. We, we prophesied. We, we laid hands on the sick. We did all this. And he's going to say, I didn't know. I, get away from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they were so filled with the works, the works, the works, rather than the obedience. And if Jesus is going to have a conversation with people that were that high up and moving in the, what we would consider the power of God at that level, it makes me take heart of, Lord, I, just, I really do want to be aligned with what you want. You know, as we, as we look at all this, whenever we submit to his authority, our resources will change. It's no longer just us and the people we know that I have to solve this problem within my own ideas and my own mindsets. Now you're working with the one who created all. It's unlimited. His power, his scope is unlimited. But it's up to us to come under what God's authority is in our life. And as we do that, we're going to find that our, we're blessed. Our circumstances in our life will change. Why? Because I can't imagine... All, of pow all power and authority being given to Jesus Christ and him being encountered with a situation and the situation not a changing from his power and glory. And it's in you. So, you know, maybe, maybe you're here today and it's, how do I bring this all in? How do I get this together? What we need to do is we need to find the authority that God has set up in our lives and we need to submit to it. And we need to do so trusting him that he is the sense of right and wrong. And maybe if we're submitting ourselves to what we would consider an unjust authority, that he'll judge, he'll take care of the situation, and if he needs me to speak up and do something differently, he'll let me know. And then it'll be his power that I'm backed with. Maybe this is your spouse that you need to submit to. And that's the line of authority in our lives. You know, and that goes both ways. That's not just the wife submitting to the husband. That's also the wife, the husband, willing to give his life up in submission to his wife. Maybe that's teens, kids to parents. Maybe that's the authority that you need to submit to. Maybe that's here at the church. Maybe there's a level of submission to authority that you need to do here personally with Pastor Steve or Mamie or maybe just someone else within the body of Christ. You see, because we as the body of Christ have been given grace in our lives to be able to minister to one to another. And if we allow ourselves to submit into that authority, remember, it's less about the person and more about just alignment with him. And he can speak through us from anybody. Maybe you're in a different situation. Maybe you say that you've never really submitted yourself to God to begin with. Never asked Jesus Christ to save you. You can do that today. You'll have the opportunity in the moment to make that 
choice to submit to him. Or maybe you're in a state where you say, you know, Pastor Ben, I know God, and I know there's areas of my life, you know, that I do well in, and there's other areas of my life I don't do well in, and there's this middle area that I'm really not sure what to do with. I don't know what's right and wrong in these situations. Or maybe there's areas of our life that we feel so entrenched that we are right, but God is saying, let's look at that for a minute. Maybe it's a job that you have, a hobby that you have. Maybe it's a pursuit of your life that you put yourself on, and maybe you've never really submitted it to Jesus Christ to say, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Maybe there's a problem in your life that you've let that problem dictate everything in your life, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act. You've given it the authority to dictate what goes on in your life rather than the risen Christ who's overcome death, who has all power and authority in him. Maybe you're at a spot where you really need to give in to the body of Christ, to your brothers and sisters around you. You need to give in to submitting to that delegated authority within a church to allow a pastor to minister to you and really speak into your life. I trust that today, in one way or another, we can find where the Holy Spirit would speak to us. So I want to give an opportunity. We're going to do two things before we leave. One, we want to find out if there's someone here that wants to give their life to Jesus Christ, we want to give that opportunity. And we want to do that first. So if everyone could, most important part of what we're going to do today, if everyone can just bow your head, close your eyes just for a moment, respectful, most important thing we're going to do today. You that are online, that are watching, can follow along with this. If you're here and you've never... You say, I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I've never really truly submitted my life to him. To totally be under his authority and allow him to save me from my sin and guarantee that I will be part of that eternal kingdom that he's going to set up. Pastor Ben, I want to do that today. If that's you and you want for the very first time to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hand right now. Make that decision. greatest act of submission we'll ever make. I take it we're all born again. That's beautiful. Here's what I want to do on the second part, just the last thing that we're going to do before we close out. I want to give everyone just a moment. If something in the message spoke to your heart today about maybe just a little bit of a reshuffling, a rearrangement that you need to do in your heart. I want us to take a moment. I want to pray over you and just ask for God's grace to help us because I'm going to be honest, submitting to authority isn't easy all the time. I'm going to give you an example. Pastor Steve and Mamie are my parents and they're also my boss here. I know what it means sometimes to, to have to, and my pastor. I know what it means to sometimes you don't want to necessarily do exactly what God has asked you to do in terms of submission. But when you do, there's a beauty of it because he gives you grace. So I'm going to encourage you to open your heart today. I'm going to say a prayer for us as, 
and, and Amanda's going to come up and dismiss us. But I want you to open up and ask God to help you in these areas where you need to change, to understand his authority better so that he can change your life circumstances. So, Father, today, I thank you for the word that you gave us. I thank you that, Lord God, your authority and power are absolute, Lord, and we want to be under it. Father, we want to see people as you see people. We want to understand what you have for our lives and how you want us to follow you, not how we choose is best. So, Father, I ask today that you would give grace, Lord God, to the people that are hearing this message. Give them grace to change. Father, open their hearts and let them see and know how many good things you have for them if they would fall under your authority. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace, your faithfulness to us. I ask that you would speak and move into their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.